Wisdom from Above with Dr. Harlan Betts. Hello there, my podcast friends. I hope you're doing well. It is my pleasure to welcome you to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. And we find this wisdom from above in the Bible. We're focusing on the last days in the seventh season of Wisdom from Above. Last week, we looked at the reality of abortion. Today, we're going to follow up with an episode on the sanctity of human life. But I I want to pick up this week's podcast where we left off last week. I shared these three truths with those who have been involved in an abortion. First, God is a compassionate God. Let me remind you that God knows your background, your struggles, your makeup, your strengths, your weaknesses, your hurts, your heartaches, and your regrets. God knows your every tear. You may hide these struggles from others, but you can't hide them from God. Others may not seem to care how deeply you are hurting, but God cares, and He cares deeply. I love the passage that says, Cast all your cares upon Him, because He cares for you. He is a tender and compassionate God. Secondly, He's a loving God. He loves you. He'll never stop loving you. You may break His heart, but you cannot stop His love. Thirdly, He's a forgiving God. You can confess any wrongdoing and you can be forgiven for what you have done. And you can be fully restored to a position of intimacy and fellowship with God. You may have been forced into an abortion, in which case the one who forced you is at fault and is in desperate need of forgiveness. You cannot undo what has been done, but you can be right with God. You can be forgiven. Your conscience can be cleared. Your heart can be healed. There will be some emotional or physical scars that linger, but they cannot separate you from the love of God. Akari Tenboom once said, There is no pit so deep that God's grace is not deeper still. What a blessing. We have a forgiving God. Now, in this 73rd podcast of Wisdom from Above, We are looking at the sanctity of human life. And if we're going to go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God, we must go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about abortion and pregnancy and the value of life? I want to share five truths from the Bible about abortion and the value of life. Truth number one, God considers human life special and valuable because it bears his image. Listen to these two verses from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. Human life is distinct from all other forms of life. Only human life is made in the image of God. Therefore, human life must be valued and honored because every single human being is made in the image of God. Human life is sacred. I'd love to say more about the fact that God created mankind, male and female, he created them. Everyone is either male or female, but that's not the focus of today's podcast. We're looking at the sanctity of human life. Truth number one, God considers human life special and valuable because it bears his image. Truth number two, God commands that human life be preserved and protected. Exodus 20 verse 13 is very clear. You shall not murder. Genesis 9 6 is also clear. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Excuse me. The sixth of the Ten Commandments says, You shall not murder. The Old Testament has a different word for murder than it does for kill. The Bible allows for killing an animal. Consider the many sacrifices or killing an animal for food. And the Bible allows for killing a man in a just war. The principles of a just war are sevenfold, commonly held to be, number one, having a just cause, two, being a last resort, three, being declared by a proper authority, four, possessing a right intention, five, having a reasonable chance of success, six, the end being proportional to the means used. The Mosaic Law also differentiated between accidental killing and deliberate murder in Exodus 21, 12-14. The law required capital punishment for murder. So human life is precious and it is to be, be preserved and protected. <clears throat> Truth number three. God personally oversees the development of each child in the womb. Psalm 22, 9 and 10. The psalmist is speaking to God. But you were he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. According to author Chuck Swindoll, David is seeing himself within the womb and coming forth from the womb as being answerable to the God who created him and developed him during the nine months he was in the womb. Psalm 51.5 Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. According to the Old Testament scholar Dr. Bruce Wilkie, In tracing his spiritual condition to the time of conception, David goes on to note that in his fetal state, the moral law of God was present in him. And then we see these beautiful 
poetic words in Psalm 139, 13 to 16, talking about God's tender, intimate involvement in the life of this baby in the womb. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the womb. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed, and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So this passage again reveals the tender, intimate, creative presence of God at work in the development of a baby in the womb of its mother. David says, you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Truth number four. God's word indicates that life begins at conception. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. You notice Mary is pregnant, and the scripture says she was found to be with child. Not, it does not say she was with forming mass. It does not say she was with growing matter. It does not say she was with, found to be with fetal tissue. It says she was found to be with child. The Bible uses a term that clearly indicates that this is a baby in the womb. And this baby is a child, a person, a human being made in the image of God. It is not just some tissue that is a part of the mother's body. Then in Luke 1, verses 41 to 44, we read, And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. So now we have the baby in Elizabeth is called a baby. And we have Mary being called the mother of her Lord, even though the baby was not yet born. The baby is called a baby and it is still in the womb. The Bible uses the same term for baby while it is in the womb as it does for the baby when it has been born and is out of the womb. So we have here, in these two passages, references to pregnant women as mothers and to the unborn babies as a child or a baby, a person made in the image of God. And they're still in the womb of their mother. You see, life according to the Bible, clearly begins a conception. Before a congressional hearing in April of 1981, the noted geneticist Dr. Jaime Gordon testified, quote, 
it is an established fact that all life, including human life, begins at the moment of conception. End of quote. That uh, was from Dr. Jaime Gordon, quoted by Dr. Norman Geisler in Wretched Refuse, an article published in Kindred Spirit, Autumn of 1988. Now we come to truth number five. God considers abortion a crime against the life of the unborn child. Exodus 21, verses 22 and 23 is very instructive. Let me read it to you. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no lasting harm follows, that is, she and the baby live, he shall be punished accordingly as the woman's husband opposes upon him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. But if lasting harm follows, either she or the baby dies, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and stripe for stripe. This life for life penalty for killing the unborn leaves no doubt that God considered the life of the unborn to begin at conception and to be of equal value of to that of those already born. Life is precious to God. The life of the infant in the womb is precious to God. The life of a little baby is precious to God. The life of a young child is precious to God. The life of a teenager is precious to God. The life of a grown-up is precious to God. The life of the elderly is precious to God. This means your life is also precious precious to God, because all human life is precious to God. So we have been looking today at the sanctity of human life. And now I'd I'd like to share seven challenges for each of you who are a part of the family of God. Number one, pray fervently. Pray for our country. Pray for our president. Pray for our senators and representatives. Pray for our judges. Pray for our Supreme Court justices who are even now wrestling with this issue of abortion. Pray for our young men and women. Pray for those women who are pregnant. Pray for those who cannot get pregnant. Pray for those who long to adopt a child. J. Sidlow Baxter once said, Men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our person, but they are helpless against our prayers. So we need to pray fervently. Second, get informed. Don't stick your head in the sand. Find out what is happening. The Alan Guttmacher Institute has all kinds of historical and statistical data about abortion. National Right to Life has a tremendous amount of excellent information about abortion. Medical authorities determine a person to be alive if there's either a detectable heartbeat or brainwave activity. 
Unborn children have a detectable heartbeat at two and a half weeks after conception. And they have detectable brainwave activity five and a half weeks after conception. Most abortions are performed after the seventh week of pregnancy, when they're already determined to be alive by heartbeat and brainwave. We need to understand these things. We need to be informed. Get informed about how abortions take place. Get informed about how it impacts the baby and about how it impacts the mommy. Abortion is not some neat and tidy, harmless procedure. It's not like pulling a wisdom tooth. In most cases, abortion is a bloody slaughter of life. It takes place by dismembering the baby's body, cutting the baby into pieces, or starving the baby, or poisoning the baby, or jamming scissors in the back of the baby's head and sucking out the baby's brains, or bringing the baby out alive and killing it. Number three, get involved. Support life as precious. Give some time or energy or money to organizations that are pro-life. You know, right to life groups or crisis pregnancy centers or homes for unwed mothers or adoption agencies. Their efforts are commendable, their goals are desirable, and their need for help is undeniable. Fourth, speak out. Hollywood and news media and social media and many in our government are tragically biased towards abortion and towards the killing of the unborn. And we need to stand up and speak out. Write or call your representatives, senators. Take a stand for life and adoption. Take a stand against those who sponsor abortions. Speak the truth in love. And we need to be ready to give an answer to some of these arguments. Argument number one, it's my body, so it's my choice. No one can tell me what to do with my body. Well, the answer is, no one is telling you what to do with your body. But if you're pregnant... You have someone else's body inside your body. It's not your body. It's a baby's body. It's another person with their own DNA, with their own mind, with their own heart, with their own body. Argument number two, it's a woman's right to have an abortion. And then very simple answer is no one has a right to kill another person. Argument number three, a fetus is just a blob of tissue. It's not human. And of course, as we saw earlier, the answer is it's not just a massive tissue. It's an infant in the womb. It is a tiny human being with blood pumping and brain working that the Bible calls a child and a baby. Argument number four. A baby is better killed and aborted than born and abused. That is not better. First, abortion does not avoid abuse. Abortion itself is a form of abuse. In order to abort a baby, the baby must be killed. And that's done by burning the baby with salt or suffocating the baby with chemicals or tearing the baby's body apart or stabbing the baby in the back of the neck and sucking out his brain. Somehow the baby has to be killed. Second, adoption is the loving option. There are over a million adoptees waiting to adopt and love and nurture a baby. Challenge number five, recognize the seriousness of this issue. The Bible says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And this is happening in these last days. This is happening in America today. It's happening in our media. It's happening in our government. 
A writer in the New York Times said women who abort deserve medals for bravery. The Colorado Senate issued a tribute to a Boulder abortion clinic abortionist for his years of personal sacrifice and courage. Can you believe that? They're calling evil good. Friends, the battle is for truth. And the battle is for lives. God's word is truth and lives are precious. Human lives are made in the image of God. We need to be strong and courageous and by God's grace, do what he'd have us to do. Number six, challenge number six, support pro-life candidates. God is not Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, but God is holy and just and true. Abortion isn't just a political issue. Abortion is a biblical issue. Abortion is a life issue. God declares human life to be precious and valuable. God declares human life to be made in his image. God declares that infant in the womb to be a baby and a child. God is pro-life and we should be pro-life. Challenge number seven. Promoting adoption. Promote adoption. Promoting adoption is a way of promoting life. Don't end an unwanted pregnancy with abortion. End it with life by either keeping the baby or giving the baby up for adoption. Adoption is the loving option. Unfortunately, our government has made it much easier to abort than to adopt. I understand there are over a million couples waiting to adopt. Many will wait years before a baby becomes available. Some may never get a baby. My wife Sharon and I admire those unwed mothers who carried their baby full term and then through tears released their baby into the hands of a loving, godly couple for adoption. That, my friends, takes personal sacrifice and great courage. Those are the women who deserve a medal for bravery. Well, that's a wrap on episode two of season seven. Last days, the last days, and the last days, perilous times will come. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to Wisdom from Above. I hope you are finding these podcasts helpful. Please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share this podcast with others. Share it with your family, share it with your friends. This is Dr. Harlan Betts wishing you a great week and God's blessing. And thank you again for joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.